Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton and Kelly Barner right here with you on the Dial P for Procurement edition of Supply Chain Now. Kelly, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. We love a Dial P day. These are <laughs> Dial P days. It's like the day of the month in my house. Agreed. We got to start wearing red on Dial P days, you know? We got we got to get a little get, get in the mood a little better. A little festive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, welcome back everybody. We got a great conversation teed up here today. Two outstanding guests, big thought yes. leaders, especially when it comes to digital transformation. So, we'll get to that in just a second. But, you know, Kelly, when we talk about digital transformation, we usually focus on the digital and today we're talking about the human ability to change and to drive change, right? We are. And I think it's easy to overlook how difficult that is, especially given where procurement is in our journey right now. There are so many, you know, we talk about soft skills. There are so many human to human aspects of the work that we're being asked to do that I kind of suspect maybe we're investing a lot of money in technology and a lot of money in process and maybe not quite enough money in our people just to make sure everybody has what they need to handle it. Well, we got to get it on. I'm looking forward to diving into those thoughts and a lot more right here on Dial P on Supply Chain Now. Hey, a couple of programming notes before we get started here today. want to encourage everybody, you know, we're, we're working hard to support these efforts to help our friends in India that's fighting the, the second wave and then some of COVID-19. So if you're in a in position to give, give small, give big, all points in between, check out the nonprofit vibha.org where every dollar is going to getting resources to India. Or you can check out our friends at uh, Vector Global Logistics that are marshalling a lot of those resources. You can shoot them a note to uh, India at VectorGL.com. And then one final note, join us. Innovation is going to be some of the things we talk about here today. We've got a great webinar coming up on June 8th, 12 noon, where we're talking about real, not cliche, but real practical, successful innovation supply chain with our friends at TransPlace. So join us for that. The link to sign up is in the show notes. All right. So Kelly. Wonderful conversation teed up here today. Anything else you want to add, tease, before I say hello to a few folks in the cheap seats? Yes, because I know both of today's guests very well. And I know a lot of people that are with us and who will watch later on demand know these two gentlemen very well. I have worked with them individually and I handpicked them for this topic because they're without a doubt two of the nicest guys you will ever meet in any procurement conversation anywhere. So I'm thrilled to be doing this topic today with the two of them. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to bring them in in just a minute. But first, we're going to say hello to a few folks that are tuned in. Rhonda, hey, you're breaking records. Good afternoon. Good morning to you, as it were, maybe. And you're you're tuned in early. Man, I love to see that. So hope this finds you well out in Arizona. Hey, David, I'm going to let you down today because I'm not rapping. He, he, he asked. You we sure? Had, Did you check yes. the full topic of conversation? You know, <laughs> maybe I need to look at that again. But yeah. So Special Ed was with us yesterday. We had a great conversation, Kevin L. Jackson and Greg White. And, uh, of course, Special Ed's a legend on the music scene. And David basically was was holding me to a promise to rap 
uh, in a future episode. So David, not, not let you down. I'll have to do it a few days down the road. Maybe let's see. Ganae is with us uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Trinevis, speaking of India, they're in India. Great to have you back. Hope this finds you and your family. Well, Mervin is back with us from Dublin. Mervin, hope this finds you well, my friend. Peter Bolay, all night and all day, he says, good <laughs> dial P afternoon to us all. This will be a great show. Hey, uh-huh. I agree, Peter. We may be a little bit partial, Kelly, but this is this is going to be a, <laughs> a great conversation. Kavan is with us. Hey, Kavan, hope this finds you well. Tuned in via LinkedIn, Mark Preston, who is leading the Champions Club at the Association for Manufacturing Excellence, is with us via LinkedIn. Mark, great to see you here. Let's see here. Ale is back with us. Hello, supply chain now, she says. Tuned in from Sudan via Facebook. Hope this finds you well. Kavan, you're letting our letting our secret guests <laughs> out of the bag, one of them at least. And he's not uh, wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. Sneha is with us. Hey, Sneha, I hope this finds you well. Great to see you here today. Usri via LinkedIn from Egypt. Great to see you here. Uh, so welcome, everybody. And, and hopefully you brought your... POV with you and your voice. We really look forward to hearing your feedback on the conversation we're having with two distinguished guests. I think it's time, Kelly, to introduce our guests. Are you ready? I am so ready. All right. So today we have got Dr. Marcel Vollmer, partner at Boston Consulting Group, guest number one. And joining him, as if that wasn't good enough, we have Jakob Gorm Larson, director of digital procurement group at the Maersk Group. But he also is author of the Practical Guide to E-Auctions for Procurement, which we'll dive more into. So let's welcome in Dr. Vollmer and Jakob. Good afternoon to you both, gentlemen. Guys. Good morning. Good afternoon. Great being here today. Outstanding. Uh, great to have you. Really enjoyed the pre-show conversation, as always. We have been, uh, as we talked about, kind of admiring y'all from afar, at least here at Supply Chain Now. I know Kelly uh, spoke in volumes about you both, so it's great to have you right here on Dial P for Procurement on Supply Chain Now. So Kelly, uh, we're going to start on a lighter note with our guests here today, right? Yes, we're going to start with the lightning round. The lightning round, the lightning round. Okay, so I want to start with you, Jakob. So love, you know, I love how one of the silver linings about this, these tough times we're living through is it's really brought the world together, right? It's gotten a lot smaller. And we like to celebrate where all of our, our listeners, our, our folks in the community, and our guests are from. So tell us where you are right now and tell us your favorite part about living and working there. So I'm with you from uh, Copenhagen, which is the capital of Denmark, where I'm right now at our corporate uh, headquarter. What I like about uh, working and living in, uh, in Copenhagen is actually the size of the city, the commute. You can bike to and from everything. I think that's a true uh, a privilege that you don't really need a car to get around and everything is within a, a fairly short distance. Oh, so I, I think that. that would be the, the one thing that I would pick uh, on that. And you can you can eat what you want because you know you're going to bike everywhere, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. And, and same question to you, Marcel. May I call you Marcel or Dr. Vollmer? Which, which would you prefer? Marcel, of course. Scott. Okay. <laughs> hey, we, we like to make sure folks are recognized for the hard accomplishments they've had. But Marcel, tell us where you are and what's your favorite part about living and working there? So I'm right now in our Frankfurt office, BCG's Frankfurt office here in, in Germany. So not far away from, from Jakob right now. And what I really like about Frankfurt is it's very central 
located and you have excellent flight connections as soon as flights are uh, back on. And I hope that travel will be back on very, very we well, we both agree with you, and we'll give it a minute. We do. That's good timing. <laughs> That's good timing. So maybe we can, Clay. Maybe we can take him out of the stream for a second and see if we can reset that really quick. But hey, he makes a great point because the the aviation industry has been struggling, right? And folks are dying to get back out there and and travel and connect and get and get there in person. So we're all hoping we get firmly into that post pandemic environment soon. Okay, so Jakob. Uh, let's let's keep with you here. So we're talking about procurement, of course, that's going to be the main theme here today. We've got Jonathan Townsley kind of um, spiking the football. Happy Tuesday and happy procurement. I love that sentiment, Jonathan. Hope this finds you well. But Jakob, what's it like working in the global shipping business right this second? It's like it's like your front center stage right here lately, right? Yeah, of course. It's it's very uh, interesting and exciting uh, times. Very busy uh, as well, and also because we as Merck are going through a a historic transformation of the company, transforming ourselves from being a you can say a pure shipping company to becoming a uh, an end to end logistics provider. Mm -hmm. uh, that introduces a lot of changes, a lot of challenges, but also a lot of fantastic uh, opportunities. So exciting time to be in in shipping right now. Definitely. Yeah, it really is. And to drive change via transformation during these challenging times, that is quite, you know, you are getting stuff done there at Maersk. Looking forward to learning a little more about that. All right. So Marcel, uh, we had, hey, it's Murphy's Law. Uh, all this streaming goes, we're going to have freezes and glitches here and there. You've been putting out a ton of content though. And, and I love what you're doing. I follow you mainly on LinkedIn and Twitter. I love your, you're such a great person to follow on Twitter. Very eclectic. A mix Thank of content. You. You've been talking a lot about space travel and emerging tech. So we're going to be we're going to be kindred spirits here. I'm a big space nerd myself. I'll admit that. But what is it about those areas that really captures your imagination? I definitely love um, space, and it's absolutely exciting. By the way, <clears throat> today is an interesting day. Elon Musk um, is here. He's not working on a space project, but I think it's similar size when I look at what he's building close to Berlin right now as a, as a factory. And basically, what I like on, on that is innovation. And this is really also, we see so many innovations coming from, from space, the scratch-resistant lenses, for example, insulin pumps, um, um, a, a lot of stuff really what, what we benefit from um, on a daily basis. And this is really what shows really the drive for innovation and also helping to improve our lives. And, and this is what I, what I like most. And isn't it exciting also seeing and traveling uh, into space? I know how big it is and probably it will really last until we go to Mars. But um, it's absolutely exciting and fascinating. For me as a kid, I started really loving looking at, um, at, at movies, films about that, um, some shows, and I was always fascinated. And, and that's the reason why I also um, put a lot out on emerging technologies, disruptive technologies. There's so much you, you shared there that I love, and it's really becoming a global space race. It's been interesting from China to the Middle East, of course, here in the States, globally, everyone is getting involved. And, you know, as I've heard it, and Kelly, I can't remember who who said it in the comments. I think it might have been Peter or someone else. 
you know, if, if we can fly helicopters on Mars, that's right. That's going to bring some some powerful innovation to visibility and communication here on, on our own planet. So I, I agree with you, Marcel. It is going to a continued investment in space exploration. Not only is it going to have to force us to apply supply chain to space, but it's going to it's going to drive some powerful real innovation here uh, on Earth. So Kelly. Where are we going? It seems like these lightning round questions, we could make uh, at least a full hour there, but where are we going next? So next we're going to check the box on technology because given how well known you both are in this space, everyone will be mad at me if I don't ask you some questions about technology. So <laughs> Jakob, let me start with you. We're actually gonna start more personally. What is an app, a device? What is some piece of technology that you really appreciate having in your personal life? There are so many of them, but uh, but if I'm just to pick one uh, and it's on a, a sort of a personal note, I would say it's one that combines my uh, passion for machine learning with uh, with red wine. So it's an app called uh, Vivino. Maybe you know of it. Uh, so you use it to scan the etiquette of a bottle of red wine and then it'll give you all kinds of uh, information about the red wine. I absolutely am fascinated with the technology. The best technology I've ever heard of. So it's, it's, it's a fantastic app and I use it, uh, some would say, too much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> too much red wine or too much yeah. the app? <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm just embracing the, the technology. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Marcel? Is there a personal device or technology that you enjoy? I'm going to say red wine's hard to beat, but what comes to mind for you? I can't beat red wine, so therefore, I let, let me talk about the tech. And definitely, this is my um, number one device, what I'm using all the time for calls, for news, for emails. Also linking it to machine learning, what Jakob said, not only for red wine, but also using Siri, for example, for dictation or looking something up in the internet. By the way, most of my emails, I'm answering it now by using the voice input and get it automatically converted into text. Isn't this, this amazing how convenient amazing. it makes your life and you have your calendar, your camera, everything with you. So I'm definitely addicted to my smartphone as it helps me really to manage my day in the best best way uh, but i also can switch it off if i don't want to want to use it i don't have any problems with that now i have to ask how good is it at hearing what you've said and actually putting the right thing down as someone who works a fair amount with transcripts i think some of these automated transcription services are humorous at, at times based on how they translate things how good do you find it is at capturing what you've actually said oh i i love it it's really it's really amazing and you can hear i have a very strong german accent sorry guys for that i lived three years in the united states i couldn't get rid of that um that's the unfortunate thing fortunately Ziri got used to it and i can do it in english as well as in german and it works equally good or bad, let's say it in that way. It is not 100% perfect, but I think it is really delivering very good results. And therefore, it's it's definitely something also what makes my life easier. Yeah, if we could get that app to recommend a red wine, yes, we would have the technology that could take over the world. Oh, it's in the art of the possible, indeed, <laughs> uh, Kelly. Hey, Kelly, before we switch gears and, and dive into the human side of transformation. I want to share just a couple of quick comments here from our community. David, I like your comment here. Cheap seats, you mean the best seats in the house. I'm with you. I am absolutely with you. Shannon, hey, welcome back uh, from Canada via LinkedIn. Great to have you here. Big thanks to Clay and Amanda who are behind the scenes as our producers making live streams happen. 
Sneha, no, you did not miss me rapping. I said one one line out of a rap yesterday with our special guest, and Clay accused me of having some flow, which I think is a good thing. <laughs> As Leah, hey, great to have you here with us uh, Hi, from West Virginia for now. Great to see you here. I think I mentioned Jonathan earlier. Brenton is with us. Uh, great to have you, Brenton, via LinkedIn. Hey, Brenton, welcome. And let's see here. There's one other comment I wanted to recognize. I think Eduardo, I think you were with us here yesterday. Great to have you back. And uh, finally, Shelton. Shelton, great to have you with us here today. Um, by the way, Jonathan says, that's a great app. Goes well with the Wine Spectator Vintage Chart that comes in handy as well. How about that? Integration. Yeah, integration. Love that. <laughs> All right. So, Kelly, where are we going next? So next, we're going to start to talk about the human side of all the transformation work that we have been doing. And Marcel, I'd like to start with you because you have a lot of broad industry level conversations. Where would you say people's mindsets are right now, either with regard to the change that we've all just been through over the last 14, 15 months, or based on maybe just where they are in this precise moment? Where's everyone's mind? Oh, I think currently it is really interesting seeing that uh, supply chain management and risk management is definitely a top priority in the business. The thing what I like very much is besides all the negative impact what COVID-19 has, and um, I, I wish I could say the pandemic is over and now we are looking to look on the past uh, or look back in the past and, and can look forward into the future. I think there are good signals out there by seeing the vaccination is kicking in. On the other side, we see India. It was mentioned um, horrible what's happening there every day. So the good thing is that people are now more and more focusing on the future. And we see it here at BCG that basically we are we are no longer just looking into mitigation strategies, resilience for your supply chain, things like that. We are also looking now in, in, in topics like sustainability. I was very amazed about learning um, how much is invested right now in scope three definition. So basically, how can you connect the goods, what you get from your suppliers to your CO2 footprint, to CSR, um, and really have this also part of your supply chain. So the good thing is that people definitely looking into the future. And another element is the new remote working models is definitely also something everyone is interested in. And I think we have a kind of Zoom fatigue sometimes to, to use this term. But on the other side, I think in the future we will benefit combining in a very smart way, working from home on the one side, but also going to the office. I have to say, I really enjoy being back at the office. Um, it is so good also meeting some other people, networking, and we are human beings. We have emotions. We want to connect to people. We want to socialize. I wish I could do this much more. Pretty sure that lots of you feel the same. And that's definitely the good thing that people are very actively looking into the future right now, um, which gives a lot of energy and, and drive. Isn't it interesting that in this moment, when we've all been separated for so long, one of the biggest, I'll say, initiatives to come out of this time is sort of the diversity, sustainability, and inclusion movement. Yeah. It's almost like in some ways we're all channeling that desire for human connection and a desire to do more and, and do better for those who are around us and people that we will never meet that are on the other side of the world. But it's sort of like losing it locally has given us more of a drive to make a difference globally. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Now, Jakob, you shared as we were coming into this conversation that your group at Maersk has just been through an incredible digital transformation. Um, when you look back at what was required to successfully get through that project, what would you say was the, the critical success factor or the secret sauce to winning over people's hearts and minds so that that change was made possible? I think when we talk digital transformation overall and when we talk within procurement or at a, at a company level, I think the most essential piece is exactly the hearts and mind. And the way you win that over is by not considering these as tech projects. These are business transformations. So what you need to focus on when you, where, you, where you need to put a lot of effort in is exactly on winning over uh, the hearts and minds uh, of people. And one way of doing that is to show them sort of the moonshot or the moon landing, as, as Marcel was talking about before, right? So show them how far can we take this? How can this work? And that can be done through small-scale pilots where you sort of give them a a quick glimpse at how can this look in the future when things are fully uh, digitized. I'm not a believer of, you know, a big, one big system implementation, and then you work on that for three years, and then you turn on the light and everything is digital, uh, because I don't believe that will take you to sort of the value realization. So I think it's an... Uh, it's, it's a journey that you're on, and it's about showing people the way so that they are with you on that journey. It's not something that a project team is driving on the side. It's something that you have to do together with the entire organization. And I think that applies to procurement, and it applies in, in general overall. Uh, so I actually don't think that that would differ. Yeah. And I think the challenge is, you know, you talk about Moonshot here, but you've also spoken previously about sort of having a North Star for yourself and for your team? What, what is that thing that's ultimately guiding your efforts? I think it's exceptionally hard. I mean, if we're realistic, we all know that vision and mission and objectives are, are important because you have to have goals to work towards. But actually being able to decide what that North Star should be and define it well enough that it can drive people's actions, I think that's incredibly hard because it's both creative and it requires you to fully understand the business. What advice do you have about people looking for their own North Star? But, and it's also difficult because in I think in most cases, it will be sort of um, a, a dynamic ambition, right? So the way I interpreted our North Star two years ago is different than how I look at it now. So it's also something that will uh, that will move, the, you know, you'll move the goalpost as you learn more. As uh, I think it was Henry Ford who said, uh, if he asked his customers what they were looking for, they would say a faster horse. That's right. And that's exactly the challenge. And I think the best advice to give to people is don't look for a faster horse. Keep an open mind. Be aware of the bias and the limitations that you are yourself are exposed to. Uh, and, and that goes for myself as well. When I'm not very good at using Siri, but when I look at my two daughters at uh, yeah. 10 and 12, and how fluent they are in engaging with all of these uh, voice uh, recognition uh, technologies, absolutely amazing. Mm. So the best advice I can give is don't look for a faster horse. So, you know, Henry Ford also, I think, I don't think this is a, uh, I think it's a real story. He asked, uh, our customers can have their Model T in any color they want, as long as they want black. <laughs> so that's right. That's been a good one. I want to share a couple of comments, uh, Kelly, that, that the conversation has triggered already. Uh, David says, going back to your DEI comments earlier, Kelly, absolutely spot on, Kelly. With everyone connecting virtually, geographical locations no longer matter. 
as we interact, and it's brought so much more light to groups of people that were an afterthought previously. Excellent point there, yes. David. And then here a little more recently, Phil, and Phil, hope this finds you well uh, via Art of Procurement. He says, I love the mindset change that Jakob mentioned. CSR projects that can drive transformation rather than checking the box. We hate to check the box, right? Pencil whip things. Yeah. And he goes on to say, and for many businesses ever, every individual is a potential current or future customer. Excellent point. And then Sneha, one final one. Great points on aligning vision to actions. Okay. Good stuff there. All right, Kelly, where are we going next? We're going to spend another minute on vision. And, and actually, it's funny. I'm, I'm glad Phil's with us because this was a, a key theme at Art of Procurement Mastermind Live that we ran back last fall. And Marcel, at the time, you and I had talked about the importance of vision. And one of the comments that you made that has stuck with me is that even though things were exceptionally difficult, right? We were talking in October, things were still very scary. Things were not really reopening. We mm -hmm. were all worried about the rebound in the fall. And you made the point, even though right now is hard, if you don't have a longer term vision, you don't need a shorter term plan. There has to be something further down the road, both to give you something optimistic to work towards, but also to help you maintain optimism and dealing with the moment. So I guess part of what I'm curious about is if your thinking on that has evolved or crystallized at all. And generally speaking, when you have these conversations with executives about their forward looking, about their future plans, what sort of relationship with time do they have? Are people thinking three years? Are they thinking five years? Or are people still struggling to get beyond the next six months in terms of decisions? That's a great question about the vision. And I think we all know about history, the man on the moon. We started with space and the disruptive technology, what we have seen, what really ignited what the president of the United States, uh, JFK, was once saying about this. And I think um, in the past, um, it was definitely something more about the future five, ten year strategies, what I have seen over the course of my career. When I look now and, and have conversations with senior executives, with CEO, C-level executives um, from different functions, including procurement, they are looking more for, hey, let's look into the next 6, 12, 18 months, something like that. It is not uh, really looking far out and coming up with the next big thing. But everyone agrees how important it is to have a vision and also to bring the people behind this vision, what you, what you have. We need to achieve our next step because it is important as a company to look forward. If you now look out there and depending on which news channel you follow, you might um, get desperate about, wow, oh, um, India has, has um, big problems right, right now. Um, in Europe, most restaurants are closed, uh, hotels closed, travel is very limited, things like that. But I think everyone likes also to see the positive things. Um, there is something very bad what's happening right now right now with COVID-19, no doubt about that. But basically, there is also light at the end of the tunnel. We are fortunate that the vaccination, the development of a vaccination is the fastest ever in history. Think about that. Who would envision that this is possible to, to get? And this is helping also to hopefully overcome very soon the negative impact of COVID-19 when we get vaccinated. 
And um, you need to have a vision and define your vision. What's next then? So how can I plan for the future? And I think procurement supply chain management is a great example. Um, who would have ever envisioned that this will be the number one or two priority on every C-level agenda? We have seen this, what started beginning of uh, last year with that. But now it's time also to look into the future and think about, hey, how is our supply chain evolving? What can we do better? How have we learned also from the digital transformation, from the leapfrog in using technologies like video conferencing systems, cloud solutions? And I think this is really what people like. And also connecting that by coming up with goals for the future, connected with the vision. And of course, everyone wants to grow the business. Some also have a different perspective on what they want to do different. And this is really, really um, amazing seeing um, how this has evolved over the last, uh, last, let's say, 15, 18 months. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you have mentioned Elon Musk. Uh, first of all, if he happens to walk by, you please just go get up and grab him. I would love to have Elon Musk crash dial P. That would be fantastic. Um, but I think to go back to his point made ironically on Saturday Night Live, you know, he's reinventing electric cars and planning to send people to Mars. Did we really think he was going to approach things like a typical guy? And I think on the one hand, that's funny and it's a good joke, right? We all laugh at it. But there's a very serious point in there that whether we're looking six months out or 12 months out, we have to be willing to explore some things that are maybe a little bit more radical, maybe some different ideas than we thought about in the past, because if we're just trying to roll back out the same old things, nothing could be further from transformation, right? Yeah. Yes. Excellent points there. Excellent point. I think we've got to, we've got to challenge every single assumption, uh, yes. old and new right now, as we look for creative ways of, of solving old new problems. I want to share just a couple of comments here that y'all continue to instigate via the best seats, as David says it. Gary was a big fan of what uh, Kelly and Marcel were talking about, I think mainly related to vision. Reminds me of Jordan Peterson's podcast, Vision and a Focus. I'll have to check that one out. Gary, thanks for joining us here. Mervin says, short-term solutions are good as long as they're accompanied with a long-term roadmap. I like that. And as Leah says, vision is such a great topic to speak on. A road has to have a starting point and a destination. It can have as many turns, intersections, and stops in between. For me, vision is the same way. I have to know where I started and where I'm aiming to handle the progress of getting there. Excellent point, as Leah. Okay, a lot of good stuff, Kelly. Where are we, uh, let's see, what are we moving to next? Next, we're moving straight to the heart. You know, we talk a lot about empathy. And I think whether you're leading a change project or whether you're helping folks adjust to the idea that maybe they're gonna to have to go back to the office, regardless of how that feels to them in terms of their personal comfort level, it's incredibly important. So Jakob, let me come to you. How do you try to infuse your leadership efforts, your management responsibilities with a sense of empathy to make sure that your team is getting what they need as individuals to complete the work that they're faced so with. Like, uh, in, in the current situation, you mean? Yes. Yeah, but I, I think uh, empathy is, is exactly the, the right word to use in, in that context and understanding that everybody's situation is uh, unique. And now I talked about uh, in the introduction, right, that uh, 
I like to go into the office. I bike in, so that's relatively uh, safe, if you can use that word. Yeah. Others may be dependent on public transportation, and that's a less uh, safe option these days. And then you, got, you have to be keep an open mind and, and put yourself in their shoes and really understand there. Also, it could be uh, unique family situations, and then ensure you provide the flexibility that is needed. In my experience, uh, whatever flexibility you give to your team, you get it uh, tenfold back in terms of engagement and extra commitment and also flexibility going the other way uh, whenever that is needed. Mm -hmm. So I think those, those are, it's absolutely key to be flexible and accommodating in a situation like this. Yeah. When, when this whole pandemic started, and or at least before it, there was this sort of unset notion that working from home is like, that's a half day off, right? And hopefully that is one thing that we have killed for good uh, with this uh, pandemic, because I think everybody will realize working from home, you are at least as efficient. Of course, there can be situations with kids running around uh, at the house all day, but in general, that you're not disturbed, that you have that calm and quietness. You don't have a two-hour commute going into the office, which I know a lot of my colleagues uh, will have. It makes, I believe it makes you more efficient. And I don't think anybody can document a reduction in efficiency due to the pandemic and the flexibility. So it's a good investment to, to yeah. give people that freedom also in the future. Do you think it's sustainable? I mean, the, the only thing that I worry about with all the working from home is that while the four of us might have always been having this conversation virtually, teams of people that work together every day, there, there is some level of loss, not necessarily in a direct work situation, but you're not having the casual encounters at the coffee pot or waiting for the elevator or whatever you're, you know, going to lunch, whatever work setting. You know, do you think that human connection is sustainable with people working from home? As with, I think, uh, most other things, it's a balancing act, right? So before we were 100% in the office, now we've been 100% out of the office for a period of time. And I think people, different companies, organizations will find a balance. So I could easily imagine going forward that people would come into the office one, two, maybe three days a week, mm -hmm. but definitely also work from home a couple of days. And that's probably the optimal because I also agree that informal connection, team uh, gatherings, events, uh, also sometimes travel to meet clients, colleagues, etc. I think it's needed if you want to keep those uh, relationships. So it's a balance, I think. Yeah. Marcel, let me ask you sort of a slightly different question about empathy, because I know you're big on the topic of innovation. Do you think there's a connection between an ability to be empathetic and ability to innovate. Do you see a connection there either in terms of the people that possess either or both, or in terms of what is required on the types of projects that are truly innovative? I think what, what's very important is that um, when people innovate, um, it starts very often with brainstorming and ideation, and then also coming up with some crazy ideas. <laughs> the thing is that, and how, how do you do that? Basically, um, 
as, as human beings, we like really interacting with each other. And this is not only now the face and a little bit further down, it is the entire body, <laughs> also the body language. And, and there's, there's lots of things what we are missing by, uh, we can use a little bit the hands, what I'm doing right now, okay, fine. But basically, there's, there's much more. And also, uh, you mentioned the um, waiting, waiting for the elevator, meeting, meeting um, yeah. at the coffee corner, things like that. This is also a little bit by giving you new ideas, giving you some inspiration. How do you get this? Just looking all the time in your camera and being very disconnected from, from basically all of the people except of your family and probably some friends as soon as it is allowed. And in Germany, by the way, it's not allowed. It starts now uh, coming back. So this is really where I can understand also why people saying um, that they have problems with that permanently working from home. And I can agree on that. I think, and Jakob, you mentioned it, the right balance. And, and this is definitely something what I could envision as well. We also will see that with um, the, the stronger focus on CO2 footprint, for example, that flying around half the world for a one or two hour meeting with a client might no longer be also what we will do. As we all see, um, it is possible to do it on video conferences. Uh, video conferencing systems uh, fairly well. But I think the mix is really what you need to balance. I see it also here when I talk with my colleagues um, on the strategy consulting side. Meeting from time to time um, is so beneficial, really um, developing a team spirit, um, working as a team. Um, even if you are not allowed um, to go out in a restaurant anymore, to also spend some free time with your with your colleagues. But this is definitely something what a lot of people are missing, and and therefore I think the balance is probably something which will last for longer. But I think it will definitely also be on the other side that a lot of people want to go back to the office and also benefit from driving innovations, um, discussing things together, and hopefully also yeah, socializing a little bit more. And I think that's definitely something um, what what uh, lots of people, including myself, are, are missing right right now. All right, uh, um, gosh, so much goodness in the last uh, seven minutes there. You know. I often think when I think of empathy, I think of a great analogy that I learned 12 years ago. We had an internal consultant come in and she spoke of the notion of um, kind of a rapport bank, right? And most people are always making withdrawals and they don't stop to think about they got to make some deposits. And I think in this virtual age where it's email and social and, and you know, you don't stop, you don't have, you don't have Kelly, to your point, those natural moments of you know, bonding and rapport building is so important to be very deliberate about that, uh, which can help uh, help really in droves help help drive change and, and successful change where everyone feels part of it. We're going to talk a little more about uh, the team here in a second, but I, I got a great question here from Dave Morrow. And Dave, hope this finds you well. Tuned into a presentation Dave made out in Arizona, one of my last in-person events in February, was it 2020, out in uh, with Demska the Diverse Manufacturing and Supply Chain Association, which is a great group. Dave, and I'm going to pose this question really qu quick hitter to Mar Marcel and, and Jakob. Can you speak to the need for a common language for supply chain to avoid the Tower of Babel when dealing with international supply chain partners and the need for digital actors requiring more exacting definitions? I would add to Dave's question, 
you know, with, with global enterprise, we've got to make sure everybody can can communicate and feel like that they they're in the know and, and, and there's not, you know, those gaps can create so many uh, so much friction. But Marcel, we'll start with you. How would you uh, what was your initial response to Dave's question? Dave, that's a great question, and um, I hope more that it will be a supply chain control tower instead of the Tower of Babel, which uh, I would love to uh, see because speaking different languages, and you are perfectly right, I can, can fully agree on your observations that um, a lot of people really um, um, are not very clear and transparent about the language they are using and what exactly is it now, what we are, what we are talking about. And on, on that end, I think technology might help us. Having machines communicating to each other, having sensors getting connected to our supply chain, providing transparency, real-time information about where is my truck, when do I get my, my, um, my shipment, um, I think this will, will help definitely. And on the other side also, technology is further evolving that um, the different systems are speaking more to each other. So it's not only the advanced technologies, what I was using, like IoT, 5G, whatever you want to use. It is also that different systems from different solution providers are now getting more and more connected, which also builds on that and helps. And on the other side, we are human beings. I think if we are not very clear or something is probably misunderstood, we need to ask, hey, can you, can you please repeat or can you... Uh, is it really that what I got now from, from your question? Things like that. This might also help. And a lot of people are just sitting and being silent. Silence does not necessarily mean agreement, nor does it mean understanding. And that's that. definitely also something where um, a more active conversation between people um, might be helpful to avoid a Tower of Babel, which is hopefully uh, not happening. Excellent point. You know, communication velocity is is also increasing and speeding up yes. and it, it really can it can yeah. create bigger gaps if folks don't say hey time out time out we're we're, we're on two different uh songs here uh hymnals all right Jakob, your uh, uh same question yeah. to you speak so, about yeah so i can definitely again fantastic and good question and i i can echo a lot of Marcel's points here but instead of doing that i'll just say from a from a technology point of view you also see a lot of things happening for so you as Marcel talked about, you have uh, APIs making it significantly easier to connect systems. But you actually also see uh, networks uh, coming out, blockchain solutions that aims to create uh, that transparency so that we all talk the same language end-to-end -end on the supply chains. Uh, and just to mention one example, if, if you haven't heard about that, TradeLens, which is a blockchain network that we are uh, building together with IBM, I think it's a fantastic example where we try to exactly avoid the tower of uh, of Babylon uh, and and ensure that everybody speaks the same language end to end across the supply chain. So fantastic point. Yeah, alignment and un unity certainly matter. All right, a couple quick comments, and then I'm going to jump back. I've got a question around. I'm got a, a hockey question for you, and I am not a <laughs> hockey expert, but we're going to see what happens. Peter Bollet talks about how. We're missing the what do you think moments, which which I agree. You know, when we all huddle in a room and around a whiteboard or even around a lunch table, you can have those powerful what do you think moments. Kavan says, experiencing the atmosphere of the workplace matters. Great point there. Uh, and Kim Humphrey, who is CEO of the Association for Manufacturing Excellence, by the way, Kim, great to have you here. 
She says, getting to know people virtually is good. However, humans need connection to build trust. Excellent that is point. so true. Yeah, Could we're all trying to get to, to that because I think it's a really good point that Peter is bringing up that those what do you think moments, and there's a lot of value in those. But when I talk about this thing about working undisturbed, it's actually there's also a downside to that. And, and there's a lot of research done on how long time does it take for someone to get back into the flow if you're deeply concentrated on doing something and somebody drops by and says, Hey, what do you think about this? It takes you somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes before you're back into uh, into the flow. So if you have eight of those, uh, what do you think moments per day? It might be that you give some good input, but you are literally inefficient uh, half the day. <laughs> That's so, great. But uh, great. I also miss uh, that dialogue and that informal exchange. But uh, but there is actually research pointing at uh, at a downside to it as well. Yeah, excellent point. And Azalea, you've got a great question around correlation between long-term planning and employee retention. We'll have to hold that one for next time, but excellent question. Okay, so let's talk about the art of being a goalie, something I've never experienced. I'm not sure if y'all have. Goalies, you know, training themselves to move instinctively to where, not just where the puck is, but where it's going. It's like that Wayne, that famous Wayne Gretzky uh, quote. So Jacob, I'll start with you. So how are you preparing your team to remain grounded and confident, which is really important, right? But flexible to your earlier point in today's truly uncharted waters. But first of all, I think there's, there's no easy answer uh, to that. <laughs> and, and I'm also not a, not a big uh, hockey, hockey guy. <laughs> but, uh, but again, I think it, it's extremely important to be humble to that assignment and also accept that you, you won't get it all right. And I make mistakes. I think everybody makes uh, mistakes. But um, but again, being flexible, open-minded in your approach to things, and then again, accept that you make mistakes, especially in times like now where you know none of us have tried this before. So we, we have to try out things and then see it works, how it works. And as part of that, you know, keep a very open dialogue with the team. What works for you? What uh, what doesn't work for you? We, you know, none of us are experts in also being a leader or a manager uh, remote. Uh, some people like clear guidance on what is expected. Others don't. And the only way you can figure that out is by having a, a very open, transparent uh, dialogue uh, uh, with them. So again, it's it's really it's a difficult uh, question. Uh, and I think you just have to keep an open mind. Yeah, well, well said. You know, it, it's interesting. What's old is new again, certainly in this new uh, information age environment we're in. And, and some of those longstanding uh, values when it comes to things that make up winning cultures, which is some things you're talking about, Jakob, you know, being transparent and, and being um, uh, humble. Humility. humility is a beautiful thing. Organizations, you know, you can be aggressive and bold and, and um, um, you know, ambitious. But man, a little bit of sense of humility, uh, especially when you so you can really learn from your failings uh, is a really important. OK, Marcel, I'm going to switch gears with you. I want to put our, our finger on the pulse. You know, you both talk to plenty of global executives. But Marcel, when you're when you're talking to global executives right now, what's the temperature in the room? Are they are they feel optimistic or are they just overburdened with some of the challenges of the day? The interesting thing is, Scott, uh, the temperature stays exactly the same because it's always only one in the room. So therefore, even heated discussion is not really heating up the room, what we know from the past. Sorry for that. But uh, overall, I, I think I really like that 
most people are positive and and um the key to that is also and and um building on the previous conversation it is key to communicate 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 you need really to to speak to people to understand what is it and also be clear on on the messages and executives right now they are definitely concerned about the future what will really happen um um, there's, by the way, there's, there's multiple events also bringing supply chain on the agenda. And uh, Jakob, uh, the ship example of Evergreen, I'm pretty sure that everyone knows what Suez Canal is and how important this, um, this is, um, especially when it gets blocked. Um, so there, there are multiple things what can happen. By the way, I got appointed as Chief Procurement Officer at SAP back in 2011, and probably mm. some of you might remember what happened there at the beginning of the year. Fukushima was the first one, the flood in Thailand was the second one. What happened? And we have seen supply chain disruptions. So basically, we need to get used to uncertainty. We need to get used to unpredictable events in the future, whatever this is. And I think the, the core element is that when you have a vision, when you when you really understand what you want to do and also bring your people behind, and this is the key of the communication, um, what I want to build on, I think the next thing is really you need to take actions and, and take decisions in defining the future. And, and this is definitely on the top of the agenda right now of the people. The good thing is that um, when you talk with executives, the economy, the global economy now, when you look at the holistic picture, it's growing. It is really aggressively growing. Look at China. United States is bouncing back right, right now. Europe is catching up slowly but, but surely. And I think this overall gives a very optimistic environment. And therefore, I like really being in, involved, involved in lots of discussion about the future. Um, a two, three years plan, what they are doing right now investing, growing the business back. So that's definitely a very fortunate thing. And I hope also that this future will become reality um, very soon. And hopefully the pandemic is over. Oh, Murphy's Law strikes again. Hey, that happens here in the live stream environment. And, and it's the same Clay, expression as last time. <laughs> it shows the passion. I, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Uh, Marcel, excellent point. And I really I appreciate you, you kind of walking us back through some of those things that, that we may have easily forgotten based on what we've experienced the last 18 months. So I really appreciate that. All right. So Kelly, as much as I hate our time is winding down with Marcel and Jakob here. I hate it. I know. I know this was, I, I always say to people how fast the hour is. Uh, but as much as I say it, it's hard to really represent just how quickly it goes by. It's easy to get so involved in these conversations. That's right. Absolutely. Completely agree. So I want to share this comment here from Azalea. A part of empathy is a common understanding. We have to invest time in understanding the various cultures and language of others we plan to make exchanges with. I agree. And, and taking that even a step further, I'm not sure who we were talking to this week, but oh, it was Kevin and, and Special Ed and Greg yesterday, really, truly celebrating the differences, right? Yeah, sure, differences can can create disagreements and, and, and not being able to walk in each other's shoes, right? Which, which hinders progress, but, but, but rather than let it just be obstacles, we got to celebrate it, right? That's what makes, that's what makes Copenhagen and Frankfurt and new Orleans 
you know, really special and, and unique places along with the people. So, so Kelly, you know, we've, we've got a couple minutes here before we make sure we get folks connected with Marcel and Jakob. Any final, final question or so for our, our uh, esteemed panel? Yes. So my, my last question for each of you, we've talked a lot about how you deal with your teams and what you're doing to build them up and working through them to lead change in different organizations. Where do you find your own, Jakob, in your case, your North Star, Marcel, in your case, the vision, when you're faced with a decision or with a challenging set of circumstances, what is it from your experience, from your personality, from your way of working that you find gives you sort of that combination of empathy, but also good decision making to come through the moment in the right place? Jakob, what's what's your personal North Star for working through these challenging circumstances? But first of all, I think it's, it's exactly in times like that where you need that North Star or, or yes. a clear vision because it that is what will get you through uh, times like this. And when you have all these uncertainties that are hitting you from right, left and center, it's important to know, uh, to know the direction and to know what you want to achieve and what you want to get out of it. And you can say, I've, I've myself has set, uh, I do that once in a while, set some professional and some personal uh, goals. I'm happy to take one of them off uh, already uh, early in the year, this year with becoming a published uh, author. That's uh, been an ambition for, for a couple of years. But I think they're important to have both on a personal career level, also at a sort of just a personal level, but also, and, and probably more important, so to, to have them as a team. What is it that we as a team, whether you're a, a, a sports team, a hockey team, a football team, uh, or a team uh, in, in a business, what is the joint goal that we have? What is the North Star that we want to achieve here? Because that is what will get you through uh, the tough times, uh, I would say. Yeah. What do you think, Marcel? I mean, and, and obviously, as I said before, you both joined. I know you both. I've worked with you both. You clearly have demonstrated even over this hour, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of depth, right? When you're faced with very challenging situations, what is it that allows you to maintain that kind of calm and, and balance as you chart your path forward? I think my personal North Star is definitely my wife and also very good to get grounded from time to time. Yeah, when you talk all the time with senior executives um, and uh, talk about vision and um, really very big um, uh, and impactful uh, projects around the world, um, I think it is very good sometimes to come at home and really have a very grounded conversation. And we are all human beings. And I think that's definitely also something which, um, which is a very good way in changing the perspectives. This is what I learned um, over the time of my career, that step back for a second, try to change the perspective as much as it possible. I know how tough it is. So it's not, not an easy thing to do because you are heavily involved. This is your project probably. It is your baby, something what, what you want to drive. And you might have a very passionate uh, opinion on that. But step back, really think about it. And also try to think about how is it perceived on the other side. When I was so excited as chief procurement officer, wow, we could implement um, our solutions within um, three months. Isn't this amazing? And 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 uh, everyone um, should be in the same level excited like like I am. 
I learned the hardware at SAP also that the excitement I have for the making it happen and get access to the to the solution is not necessarily the same excitement what I uh, caused on the side of the category managers and the buyers. And there was a good reason for, for that. And this is really also where you need to think a little bit about, oh, wow. How is it perceived on the other side? Of course, it sounds great if you tell, hey, now we are Apple easy and Google fast on the procurement side. We really contribute to the value proposition of your company. I could continue with that, trust me, um, but I don't want. Um, it is more basically that think always about the customer, the, the, the client, the stakeholder perspective. Step back, reflect, and then Make your mind and then as soon as the decision is taken, really execute and be very, very um, passionate about the execution. That's what I learned and this is what my North, North Star is, what guides me um, when I have to take tough decisions and engage with people. Absolutely. Wow. All right. What an, uh, two, a couple outstanding answers there, inspiring uh, folks and comments. Um, all right. So we've reached the end of our hour. It has just uh, flown past. I want to make sure folks can connect with you both. Uh, uh, Jakob, I want to start with you. Make sure folks know how to know where they can get your book. So how can folks connect with you and get the book, Jakob? Yeah, so uh, LinkedIn is a good uh, way to do it. And um, I'm pretty active in there. So feel free to uh, to reach out and connect. And, and my book is available uh, Amazon, uh, Target, uh, Walmart, any, any online bookstore, uh, you can get it. Yeah. So and it hasn't been sold out by far. So uh, which is a surprise because it's an excellent read. It's about no, no, so much is. more than technology. But it's of course also it's 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 very focused on procurement uh, on yes. on digitizing negotiations and use of auctions uh, of mm -hmm. course. So maybe maybe uh, focused on on the procurement uh, community. Love it uh, and and really enjoyed your POV here today. Jakob. Um, Marcel, let's go to you. Uh, you're, you're everywhere. I love the kind again, we're, we're big fans here. It's, it's easy for folks to find you and, and tune into your POV, but how would you suggest they do that? So definitely, um, LinkedIn, social media is a great thing. Marcel Former on LinkedIn, M Former one on, on is my Twitter handle, or feel free also to, to, um, drop me a note at former.marcel at bcg.com. I, basically engage on all different platforms, but I prefer social media because it is real time and it is really a great way connecting, staying connected, as well as also inter interact with, with people. I love it. But I would also love, and hopefully this will become reality in the future very soon, that we meet at a conference or having such a session somewhere and live environment, probably going for a coffee afterwards, for dinner in the evening, whatever. I would love to see that coming back very soon as well. Thank you. Let's all get red wine and ride bikes together. <laughs> that's, that's, we'll sort of pull Agreed. everything in. We'll drink some red wine and we'll ride some bikes. Yes. <laughs> Yaka, bring your, uh, bring your app so we can... We can yes. double check yeah. the, the sourcing of the grapes. <laughs> well, uh, really a pleasure and honor to be with you both here today. Thanks so much for your time. We've been talking with Dr. Marcel Vollmer, partner at Boston Consulting Group, and Jakob Gorm Larson, director of digital procurement at the Maersk Group, also author of A Practical Guide to E-Auctions for Procurement, How to Maximize Impact with E-Sourcing and E-Negotiation. A pleasure and honor. Thanks so much for your time here Thank today. You we'll both. see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. 
Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.